Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Sea Westworld Right, Episode 7, Past Pawn, Episode 7 of Season 3. It's Steve Ray Morris, and this one's coming a little bit late, but I think there are two <laughs> there are two reasons why. Look, I, I'm moving this week, so <laughs> it, I, it's funny because this week I actually watched the episode on Sunday night, but moving combined with like... I don't know. I think I just needed a moment. I was just like, I can't right now with this episode. I loved it. It's one of my favorite episodes of the season. And we'll probably talk more later about why to me this season. And I was texting again with my friend, Jamie Parslow, very talented guy over at IGN that who used to work at Luke Cray with this episode. This season really reminds me of Princess Mononoke, the Hayao Miyazaki film from 1997. If you're familiar Anyway, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there was just so many moments in this, especially this episode that really crystallized it for me. I mean, spoilers, but the moment where Dolores gets her arm ripped off very much to me resembles Lady Eboshi's journey uh, in Princess Mononoke. But yeah, so this episode, it's the penultimate episode in the season. We've only got one more left. Again, it's interesting that they announced 
that season four that we're going to get a season four. I know um, my buddy Christian Humes, uh, shout out. We're, I'm going to talk to him as well, too, when the season's over. Uh, and Polly Katowski from Murder Squad and Annalise Nelson, you know, or you love her from all the things. Those are some of my other Westworld heads out there. Shout out. Uh, I mean, they were they were in this before I was. So it was just exciting to to learn which of my friends is watching Westworld. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, it's interesting that they announced the new season kind of. I think they either announced it before episode six or seven. Either way, I think to me, that's a good thing. Because again, this I think we mentioned it last week. This is a big conversation about is this season going too fast or is it too slow? And to me, I think it's I think it's just right. I think. To some people, it's feeling too slow in a way or like too, too straightforward in a way. But I, I really think of if season one, if season two was an epilogue to season one, then to me, it almost makes sense that this that season three is a prologue or sort of an origin story for Caleb Ashitaka is an origin story for Caleb's character. And so that's the reason why maybe this is feeling like a little too standard, a little too kind of one and done. I, or and some people are also saying, you know, that it's, you know, that it's like we're rushing through it. But I don't I don't think we're rushing at all. I, I again, we talked about this last time, but it's like the cliches of the sci fi world. I'd rather they rush through this and get to something more interesting personally, because, again, this whole season's been kind of. It not it's been playing in the box of future cliches, not cliches that happen in the future, but you know sci-fi cliches and tropes and stuff. And yeah, I I, I feel like who knows maybe the episode that happens in a couple of days because I'm recording this on Friday isn't that interesting. Maybe the ending isn't interesting, but maybe the setup itself is more interesting. Kind of like Fallen Kingdom in a way. The Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom to me is. The, the ending of the movie is really, in some ways, the most interesting because the implications and the, you know, welcome to Jurassic World, like that kind of thing. And so if the ending of this season ends with Caleb Ascendant or Dolores re having a new mission, maybe she's fighting for humanity instead at the end. I don't know. But just some big reveal or some twist that kind of recontextualizes the season and puts us in an exciting new place. I, I'm all for that. Because again, yeah, I think if this season had been 10 episodes, I, I personally don't know. I, I, you know, I, again, it's, I'm in this position where I'm watching this thing in real time. And I, I, so, you know, if people are asking me, like, what do you think of the season for? I'm like, it's fine. Like, I love these characters. So I'm willing to follow them. You know, I'm willing to follow them into battle. But um, would I say this season on its own? Would this season on its own? I mean, it can't captivate you because it, you're it's resting on the shoulders of two other seasons before that. Like, you know, it's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's uh, there's going to be a conversation with Perry Nemiroff from Collider. We were we were talking about Jurassic Park and all the Jurassic Park sequels. But I, I think I say in that, too, it's like if the original wasn't great, then the rest don't matter. So Westworld season one will always be perfect, I think. So that's my note on that. All right. With Past Pawn, we open with Mushashi Hiroyuki Sonata. Let me actually let me get my cast list up because this episode, especially there was a lot of names. I was like, I don't remember certain people or certain names. So I really wanted to get them right. Yeah. So Hiroyuki Sonata is back as Mushashi. Uh, he was the uh, if you don't remember, he was the uh, Hector 
from Shogun World in season two. And we get Clementine coming back. Huh? Huh? She wasn't one of the pearls that Dolores left with, but she was one of the pearls rescued by Ciroc to kind of give Maeve a team. And so Clementine shows up and then um, Hanarayo, which I didn't know her name in, cause I, do they say her name at all in season two? The, the sort of joke, the Seinfeld bizarro universe thing is that she's the Japanese tattooed lady from Armistice, the, uh, the Westworld tattooed lady. So uh, Hanarayo played by Tao Akamoto uh, her and Clementine take on Mushashi and, or no, or was she rescued by fake, uh, fake Charlotte? Cause we last left Charlotte burning up in flames and we only see her very briefly in this episode because calling. Yeah. I think what happened in the episode was like, okay. So it's like the car explodes. We don't know if it's Ciroc's men or Dolores's. And I, I can't remember if it was definitive one way or the other. I think I feel like a lot of the articles I read were like, who was it? And essentially, Charlotte, who somehow survived, is called Mushashi and is like, look, Dolores is basically using us like Connell's, her doubles. She's basically once they achieve a certain purpose, then she's chucking them out in the bin. And so she was calling Mushashi to try and convince him like, look, you don't have to go down the path just because you were Dolores. Now you can be your own. You can be your own host. You can be your own host human or whatever you want to, you know, you can you can be whatever you want, basically. And so uh, there it was, you know, it was kind of cool to see Clementine and to see uh, Hannah Rayo again. But, you know, it's very short. It's kind of it's like the briefest tangent of the episode because somebody's there's something in a briefcase and we're going to open it eventually. What if it's like the gold from Pulp Fiction? Anyway, so the big part of the episode, again, it's interesting that this season has chosen to do a lot of exposition on the back end because it's you wonder sometimes if these reveals would help you like for people who aren't feeling this season would knowing these kind of twists about Caleb Sirach, like would these twists with the new characters, would it help you like the season more because you would know what these characters have gone through going in. And again, to spoilers to really sum up, you know, to sum up Caleb's reveal, which I feel like was pretty obvious was that like he basically was, but the details weren't, which was that he was part of Ciroc's reconditioning program. The idea that this algorithm is like, look, these are the undesirables and you have to, we're going to either just like put them in a frozen locker and just forget about them. Uh, like the Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, <laughs> or, you know, we're going to recondition them. And so essentially Caleb was a soldier. And then once he was, you know, basically once he, escapes out of that he's basically rico was the program created by Ciroc, which is like the grand theft auto crime app and essentially him and his buddy francis uh they're basically just rounding up undesirable people and stuff and so a lot of these like false memories and stuff we feature the um enrico colatoni who i remember from just shoot me anybody else remember that tv show with david spade and terry hatcher i think but yeah so it's like basically Essentially, when this guy who used to like work with Ciroc or used to, you know, question it like once he or I think he worked at the facility or something like that. And then once he questioned things, he was now undesirable because he no longer fit the algorithm. And so that when Caleb started to see that and then he basically shoots Francis because once somebody knows too much, it's like you got to take him out and, you know, to the highest bidder kind of thing. So that's kind of basically the big reveal. There's I mean, some interesting details is that like. 
in his memories, when he bounced back and forth between the planted ones and the truth, like the the you know the, like context changed a little bit, and even like the graffiti. I, I forget which article pointed this out, maybe Rolling Stone or Insider, but like the the graffiti changes from Russian to English and stuff like that, and so that's pretty cool. This all feels very Inception-y to me and stuff, but and then it's just interesting also to just see like kind of future war and stuff and how it's almost like. The idea that, you know, it's basically people pressing buttons, but you still need people on the ground to sort of like, there's your guy, you tag him, like brushing some sort of tracer on the jacket, and then you run out and then a bomb comes and explodes. And you're like, this is insane. And then also, but of course, it shows like the amount of casualties and stuff like that. And it's all it's all very bananas. But um yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else is going on in this episode. Oh, I like that horses are back. It was so cool to see Dolores riding a horse again. Dolores, of course, of horse. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I really like, I feel like Dolores is becoming a more likable character again throughout this season. I, I know people were kind of turned off from her from season two. I certainly understand that her mission isn't necessarily as relatable in the kind of kill all humans kind of way, you know, like. It's just like the singular, I feel like we're just not let in enough. Like we don't have a, I mean, with Caleb a little bit, it's certainly not Teddy level. Um, I feel like I was comparing her to uh, Rust, uh, um, Matthew McConaughey's character from True Detective, you know? She just sounds like a, a psycho right now because she's like humanity down and, you know, it's all, it's all, a, it's all, it's all circle. What was it? A time is a flat circle, you know, just it's stuff like that. But I mean, it is relatable and it is. I mean, for me personally, I love when Dolores is having fun. So seeing her with that like drone gun was super rad. Anything like that was really cool. Again, I feel like they're building up Dolores' humanity again in this season, whereas like Dolores went further and further down the rabbit hole last season. And then this season, I feel like they're kind of breaking her a little bit in a way, like having Caleb be the kind of key to all of this. And that's another spoiler, which again, I'm, it's like some of this stuff, I'm not really sure the implications of it yet. So it's, it, to me, it doesn't feel like a spoiler because it's like, well, yeah, of course, Caleb is the key. Of course, Caleb, you know, you know, supposedly he's going to be the one used to destroy humanity because truly Dolores inner programming can't question mark, which I don't, doesn't really make, I mean, I guess the implications are interesting, but I'm not sure how it'll play out because Ford, uh, let himself be killed by Dolores? Did he program Dolores to kill him? Or was that her own free will? Maybe some of that stuff will come back, which would be really interesting if they found a way to bring Anthony Hopkins back. I would I would love that. That would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, that stuff really is like the meat of the episode before we get to the Maeve and Dolores fight in the kitchen. It's the Jurassic Park, you know, rafters in the kitchen scene. I'm loving the, the Jurassic Park references that are always thrown out in every, co- I feel like every couple episodes we get some sort of slight Jurassic Park reference, which I appreciate. But um, yeah. I, uh, oh, well, yeah. And, and so basically where Caleb and Dolores are heading is that institution. And it's really about Dolores needing Caleb to understand his past in order to be the key to human to either help save the host or humanity or both or destroy humanity again, not clear yet, or at least on some level it's to me, it's the implications of an art quaint like they're the mechanisms aren't quite clear yet. So, Oh, I also wrote the wavier Dolores's hair is the more fun she is. I think that's true. And so we go to this, this facility, Sorox facility, and then we're also, um, 
we also encounter Solomon, which is the earlier version of Reboham, the 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 sentient AI. And oh my god, that that was the best quote in the entire episode maybe one of the best quotes in the entire season because it's kind of like okay here's this ai and this ai was like the the dave uh no what's the name of the ai in um in uh 2001 a space odyssey i can't do that for you dave uh how 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 um uh am i gonna google this how yeah we get a very like how 9000 vibe from solomon where it's like the spirit of uh, Sirach's twin brother, fraternal twin? We don't know. Who knows? Probably fraternal twin because they didn't look that similar. But yeah, so we go down in the basement and there's this like psycho AI. It, ga- it ga- gave me a lot of Winter Soldier vibes. It gave me a lot of like Minority Report with all the people kind of laying in their pods. Gave me a lot of Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow situation. Boom, boom. You know, the turnaround, the thing. Um, spoilers, I guess, for Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, but that the person's been dead the whole time and it's just this evil has been allowed to persist because it's been automated, which I guess is similar to this because Jean Mi, the brother, is literally like a frozen slab where the voice is coming out of because it's his voice coming out of Solomon. So there's a lot of, again, I feel like this episode is really good because it played with a lot of the sci-fi and future tropes and stuff in a way that felt very fun. It felt very like, these tropes are not a burden. These tropes are like, let's enjoy them. Let's, let's put Maeve back in there with the samurai sword. Like let's have drone guns. Like let's have Maeve and like, or let's have Dolores, well, Dolores and Maeve, let's have Dolores and all black. And, you know, let's go cross country with Bernard and Stubbs and William. And it's like, you know, they're in like a bombed out, like Terminator salvation, uh, resident evil three, kind of like a Mad Max deserty kind of vibe. Like I feel like this this episode really played with a lot of the fun kind of sci-fi tropes instead of feeling like it was burdened by them. I feel like that the season has gotten a lot better. Again, like season two, I think the, the show has gotten a lot better when it has fun with the tropes instead of, again, feeling, I'm repeating myself, again, feeling burdened by them. So I loved that a lot about that. But yeah, my favorite line was because it's like kind of Dolores is like, ah, you're a crazy AI. I'm a crazy AI. Like we're both. Ooh, look at us, wacky robots. And <laughs> then Solomon is like, we are not alike in any meaningful way. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, uh, you know, I, I always appreciate a good sassy robot ever since R2D2. You know, he was was he the OG sassy robot or was or was the robot from from uh, Lost in Space. Was he sassy? Was it sassy? I don't remember. Let me know which sassy robot you like the most. Um, let me know if BB-8 was giving a thumbs up or a middle finger. Hashtag team middle finger. Anyway. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Speaking of robots, I can't, and I looked online and I can't remember for the life of me where, because William calls, is it William? Or somebody calls one of the hosts a can opener. And I'm like, that is a reference that is a very specific reference to a movie or a TV show or a book or something where people call robots can openers. And I cannot for the life of me remember where it's from. And I tried searching online. I'll try searching again, but uh, I think it's the original Westworld maybe, or it it's like, it, it's just a very specific reference calling a robot a can opener. Like, is it some old like film, like Milliers or something like that? Let me know if you remember where it's from. I, some part of me also feels like it's Futurama. I don't know. I, I don't think it's Futurama because Futurama, if they said can opener, it would be a reference to something because Futurama, as far as referencing sci-fi and sci-fi tropes is, you know, none and like there's nobody in its class as far as the, one of the smartest sci-fi homaging referencing shows. Oh, I, Futurama, if you don't know, is one of my favorite TV shows. Sarah Iyer from the Percast and I actually almost started a Futurama podcast and we recorded like six episodes. It never came out or anything. Actually, when this, I think, no, it's still going to be a few weeks, but uh, Sarah and I are doing a Futurama cat episode. So keep that in your brain or when that comes out on the podcast in a few weeks. So anyway, back to the episode. Can opener reference. Can opener reference. Uh, I need to know where that's from. Um, again, facilitating the desert vibes. I'm getting a lot of Andromeda strain. I'm getting a lot of prey. Uh, again, more sci-fi tropes. Uh, prey and Andromeda strain being other Michael Crichton works. Uh, yeah, they were... Oh, yeah, this episode, the more I think about it, the more fun it is. And I think that's helpful for me. I'm realizing now, as far as recaps go, I mean, obviously, when we watch the season finale, I want to be right there with you when it drops, and I'll be done moving by then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I really... I it I think it helps me more to have more time with TV shows for it to sit in my brain and for me to marinate. And yeah, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to these recaps ending, if anything, so I can talk to other people about this, like in a conversation form, because, you know, it's just been I've just been in here rattling it, it all rattling in my head. And it'll be nice to kind of make sense of stuff um, when it when it all ends, because then, you know, to, uh, we've talked about this throughout this series, which is like it's so hard to judge something when you see it in pieces. And so to actually get to sit back and 
and see the big picture and where it goes and how it leads into season four and how it ties into the previous seasons. I think that's more fun to me, which is why to me, it's also hard to do TV show podcast. If you're trying to do the X files files method, which is talk one episode at a time and don't spoil anything ahead. And so much of so much, I think the joy of television, I think that, that movies don't have is that you have all this time and this growth over the years and you can see how things become relevant again or or threads drop off threads get picked up character clementine coming back you know things like that where it's like well that's so cool i think even um esquire I'll, I'll put a link to the esquire article but even esquire was saying that there's that there were clues to dolores's plan in some of her conversations with teddy in season one so it's just like stuff like that where you're like yeah you don't get that if you can't talk about the series as a whole you know imagine if you're Doing, I mean, but even the way I did this, the Westworld series on SJR, I tried really hard to not look ahead on anything. So, you know, just so that I didn't spoil things for for you and for myself, you know, because, again, there is something exciting to discovering things for the first time. So I don't know. It's give or take. I've noticed some shows like Sunnydale Study Group, which was the Buffy podcast that friends uh, Omar Najam, Holland Farkas, and Chris Permonte did, they uh, they might still be doing it. I know they kind of took a hiatus for a little while, but uh, they they were starting to do a thing where it's like they would, you know, do each episode, you know, spoiler free for the future. And then at the end of seasons, then they would kind of recap the whole season and what it means. And I wasn't sure if they did it you know, for like the whole show or just the season itself. I believe it was the whole season itself, if I remember. But anyway, it's just now we're just getting in the weeds of how to do a, a podcast about something, you know. So, hey, let's let's talk about this fight. Maeve, Dolores, the fight was great. I love the buddy system that they had. Maeve had her giant drone and uh, Dolores had her drone gun. So it was like. It very much reminded me of the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf and uh, Saruman fight, you know, where it's like these powerful beings kind of like like reduced to, to being very physical because if they stepped outside of this kind of shed that they were in, the drone or the gun would fire at them. And so that was just I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. It's just it kicked ass. And again, it's like these two philosophies that it's like conceptually you guys should be friends. You guys should be on the same page, but you aren't. And that's why going back to princess Mononoke, why I really love why I think this season for me has been picking up uh, for me because you have this idea of like, you know, there's this kind of purity and, and sense of justice and, and uh, methods, which are like, great. You know what? I, I like what you're saying, but maybe the intentions are wrong coming from both sides. And so it's like they can never sort of meet in the middle. And I think what was brave about Princess Mononoke's spoilers is that the, 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 you know, this idea of the natural world, the small town people, and then the march of industry and modernization, Miyazaki doesn't say, Hey, like we're going to just all magically become friends and it's going to be better. It, it ends again, spoilers with them basically being like, this is a fight like we're going to go our separate ways and we're going to keep fighting, but at least we respect each other and maybe we'll someday figure out some sort of middle ground. And so I like that kind of bittersweet acknowledgement and respect, but like the knowledge that it's like, yeah, we're never going to be on the same page about this. And so, and again, <laughs> once, uh, 
once Dolores's arm gets ripped off, gets shot off, uh, Lady Eboshi style, I just like stood up and cheered. I was just like, okay, this season again, uh, as I've mentioned before, it's like if a season sticks the landing, it makes it all worth it. Um, you know, even if we're kind of questioning, you know, way, what the intentions are and what the sort of stakes are and stuff like that. I think this episode in terms of action, in terms of drama, I think really delivered. And I think that waiting for Maeve and Dolores to finally get together. And I like in the behind the scenes, I think it was either Sandy Newton or I think it was it was either Sandy Newton or Evan Rachel Wood mentioning it's like, yeah, like you think that when these people are going to get together, these two characters, that they're going to be best friends. And it's like, no, they're on the opposite side of the battle. And I think it's done in such a way that it's heartbreaking, but it's also fun and funny and exciting and scary. And you're just in awe of them as they just tear it up together. So yeah, Whew. I, I got out of breath there for a second. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's it. I've been going, wow. I've been going for like 20, 25 minutes straight now, 27 minutes. This is already longer than the last couple of weeks. So I think that's a great place to end it. Yeah. I think what William is, is still, I, I think to me, I think personally, it's like Dolores poisoned William's mind. And I think that idea of like free will or not, I think, or am I alive? Am I a host? Am I dead? I think that stuff is, it, it's almost like I want it to be clearer, you know, cause I think it is, but may, you know, maybe there'll be a great reveal in the next episode to really solidify because I think in this last episode, Bernard and Stubbs, it's funny because it's like he, William is holding them hostage at the very end. He's like, I'm going to kill all hosts. Now I'm going to be the the savior for humans. But for some reason, Bernard and, and Bernard tells Stubbs like, no, we still need him for something. And it's like, what is that? Is he the, is William the trump card to try and stop Caleb and Dolores? I don't know. What's Bernard up to in that sense? Um, but I think it's revealed that Essentially, Dolores listed William as dead, like legally he's dead. But like, again, that question, is he dead, dead or is he a host? Like, yes, he has the like, um, I think there were some listeners commenting on the post Instagram post I made for the last episode. It's like, when like, did they show his hand? When did they show his hand? All because at the end of season two, his hand gets blown off at some point uh, by Dolores, I think. Right. I, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm like trying to imagine it right now. But yeah, so there's still some questions there, but I hope they answer in a meaningful way that makes you appreciate because I think the setup in this in the post credits of season two was so juicy because you were just like, oh my God. And throughout the season, it's been unclear. And so I hope we get a clear answer to to be equally satisfying. So anyway, let me know what you think. Are you feeling like this season overall has been good? Has it been getting better for you? Are you the kind of person that likes the, when the landing sticks? Or are you sort of like, hey, no, I mean, I'd rather enjoy the ride. Um, I mean, again, this is all new for me. I'm not used to binging a show in real time or binging a show. In, that's not no such thing. I'm not used to watching a show in real time. So I'm still learning through all this stuff. But I loved it. So I, or I love this episode anyway, and I'm super excited to watch the final episode. And yeah, I hope I can watch it in real time and get back to you guys right away. I think that'll be more fun. You know, even though I feel better about podcasting when I have some time to think about it, I do think it'll be fun to watch the episode and then just give my reactions because I really want to chat with some of my friends and to chat with you about the season when it ends and we can all kind of get together again under that virtual water cooler. So with that, uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe, staying indoors. 
and I'll see you very soon. So take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.